0: Hello, and welcome to Educational Triage, where we discuss issues in alternative education. This is a discussion about teaching by teachers, for teachers, and others who are interested in the alternative education world. We hope you find today's episode relevant, engaging, and useful. And if you do, please subscribe. I'm Tony Hunt, and I'm here to help guide you with the help of my friends, Christy and Philip. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Educational Triage. This week, it's a little different because both Christy and Philip are off doing other things right now, and so they've left me to my own self. So that being said, I'm going to try to have a dispassionate conversation about what it is that we're talking about today. And I know that they both wanted to weigh in on this. So we may bring it up later um, in the next episode. So stay tuned and perhaps we may continue this conversation. The other day, the Washington Post published an article in its education section, and it had to do with teachers being forced from their jobs for speaking out during their time. And it seems as though it happens on both sides of the aisle. You have conservative and you have progressive teachers and liberal teachers all speaking out as teachers in their classrooms, explaining their viewpoints, maybe not necessarily explaining, sometimes maybe pontificating their their viewpoints, and they're finding themselves without a job they're finding themselves let's call it deplatformed from their educational status now why is that what 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 is going on with that so let me read from the washington post and start there and then we can go in because i also want to go over what some of the rules and conditions are because we as teachers believe that we have the right to freedom of speech, correct? And perhaps we do, but perhaps it needs to be tempered. So let's read through the Washington Post article, and this was on June 16th. A Florida teacher lost her job for hanging a Black Lives Matter flag over her classroom door and rewarding student activism. A Massachusetts teacher was fired for posting a video denouncing critical race theory. A teacher in Missouri got the axe for assigning a worksheet about privilege, and still another in California was fired for criticizing mask mandates on her Facebook page. They were among more than 160 educators who were either fired or resigned their jobs in the past two academic years due to the culture wars that are roiling many of the nation's schools, according to a Washington Post analysis of news report. On average, slightly more than two teachers lost their job for every week that school remained in session. Okay, so maybe you're thinking, well, only 160 educators, and that's not even one, is that even 1%? I don't think that's even 1% of the number of teachers. However, however, it's it goes to the point where what's going on here? And uh, is there really something that's going on that teachers need to be aware of. And perhaps they are. Um, They all lost their employment when hot button cultural, racial, political, or pandemic issues intersected with their ability to teach. Now let's look at that with intersected with their ability to teach either because the teacher sought to address controversial topics in the classroom or because administrators took issue with the teacher's views as expressed inside or outside the classroom. Now, if you get a chance, I put it down in the show notes. You can take a look at this article. And the president of the National Education Association, Becky Pringle, said that our teachers are being caught in the crosshairs of the culture wars. Well, not necessarily, because I know a number of teachers who pontificate and nothing is nothing happens to them. I've heard of some who excoriated their students for believing a certain way and they were taken to task for that so let's say let's 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 take an example for a minute and take a look at what happens what's what's the climate of your classroom? Because if the climate of your classroom is vibrant, it should also be safe. And that means safe for every student in there, whether you agree with them or not. Once you make it unsafe for a student, it doesn't work anymore. Because whether or not you agree with that student is is beyond the point. The student comes in, possibly already shaped in their cultural views, and you know that they're most likely going to share it with their family, especially in the lower grades and the upper grades. Possibly. It depends on what the communication and networking and what the structure is in in the student's home. But every time that you think that you are in the right, somebody else believes the same thing. So there are two opposites. Think about that. You may believe That you are right on all counts, but they believe the same thing. Is it your job then to convert them or to bully them into believing what you believe? Or do you want to look at both sides of an issue? Because is our job to preach or is it to teach? That's the question. That's where I'm going at this, because during a hot political debate back in my high school years, our teacher obviously believed in one of the candidates and would constantly say things about that candidate and would say negative things about the opposing candidate. I'm not going to say which ones because it really doesn't matter what matters is that when people questioned him about some things that they had heard and that they understood about the candidate that he was that he was touting he slammed back and told the students who who questioned that they were stupid and that they didn't understand what was going on and then he mocked them is that okay? Is that okay? Is it okay for you or for anyone as an educator to mock or to ride someone because of their views? Now, maybe some of their views might seem a little sketch. Okay. I mean, we've all met people who are talking out the side of their head and you're saying, oh my gosh, I remember a friend of mine in college, she came to me and she was saying things and I couldn't figure it out. Later, I found out that she was on acid. And so that kind of explained everything. But sometimes we suspect something is not quite right with the other person, but we still need to afford them a modicum of respect when they say it. You cannot make that classroom an unsafe environment. When my students came and they made the presentation on the the American Revolution, and mind you, I had two because I figured that one of them was going to go off the path and go wandering down some other places in new woods that nobody had ever seen before. And so I figured that this other person would maybe keep them in line a little more, Well, unfortunately, they both took each other and they went wandering far afield from the topic. And so we learned how the American, how the colonists lost the American Revolution and that we were actually still under the rule of the British crown. Uh, And there were so many other things that happened. And we, people in the class, they were incredibly respectful. And they said, can we see your evidence? And so they showed them the evidence, but the evidence said quite the contrary. So we couldn't understand what was happening. Then we realized they both had incredible learning deficits. And did we know that in the, in the beginning? Yes, we did. We just didn't know how severe. So this was actually a good indication. So that gave us a way to work with both of them from then. The other students were still incredulous, and they said, well, what are you going to do with them? And we said, well, we're going to work with them, and we're going to figure out exactly where the information was twisted around. So we handled it with as much respect as we possibly could, aside from when they announced that the British won the American Revolution. We were just a little aghast, but still, we still made them feel respected. We still made them feel heard. And even though we tried to to redirect them, they fought back on us. And so we continued and uh, we worked with them a little bit more to try to see what we could figure out. And the other students did the same, but there was no derision. There was nothing mocking about them. We just all knew that there was something different about them that we needed to work with. Same thing with politics. Same thing with something huge that's coming up, or something or an event that happened. When 911 happened, people were desperate to figure out what happened. And doing inquiry, doing questions, trying to do problem solving. But as long as we remain dispassionate and inquiring and trying to figure things out and try to understand. Because don't we want our students to be more understanding? Don't we want them to be a little more empathetic and compassionate with situations to understand what is happening? And I know we have situations going on right now where people are just fired up, but how are you going to make any points on your side? If you're dictating, if you're screaming edicts, if you are demanding people do what you tell them to do, because remember, in, your, in their life, who are you? You are there to make them feel safe. You are there to help them feel heard, wanted, and needed. And once you start telling them what they should believe, then you start to lose some of that. So, perhaps some of this is what happened in some of these uh, situations for those 160 teachers. So, and the onslaught of COVID has made things even worse. So, what, and teachers I know are being blamed for a lot right now, and there's a lot that, There are so many toxic environments for teachers right now. So the idea is to enter that toxicity and be be some kind of a cure for it. Help people see the calmness. Be some of the light, some of the, what's the word, serenity, the calm. And when you address something, make ground rules, something. So that people can express their opinions while you take none of them, despite your actual beliefs. So think about it this way. Let's say we were going to talk biology and we were going to talk evolution. Now, there are people on both sides of this topic. Believe me, I have run into it from day one when I taught evolution. So what I did was I had students tell me, and they could do it quietly if they wanted, um, and we could do it through a Google form. And they simply told me whether or not they believed that evolution happened as a natural process or that it happened by divine intervention and that it followed the Bible. So those students that wrote me and told me that that's what they believed, I told them that they were going to take on the opposite. And I had parents absolutely furious with me. And here's why. I had them do this. If you do not understand the arguments from the other side, and if you do not study, you don't know where they're coming from. And once you try to argue, you have nowhere to stand except just keep repeating the same mantras over and over and over again. And already they're not buying those. So learn what they are saying so that you can take what they're saying and work with it. So for example, If I know that they are going from the idea that God created the world in six days and took the seventh as a rest, okay? The question is, on what day did something else happen? How did God do this? And why don't we have a record of everything else that happened? And who wrote all this down? These are pretty weak arguments, I realize, because I'm just trying to come up with them off the top of my head. It's been years since I've done this. But I had parents demanding that they come in and they be able to preach the Bible. And I said, no, that's inappropriate. And they were furious. They went to the administration. The administration told me that I could not be teaching both of those. And the parents were saying, well, and and then they tried to shut me down. And I said, no, 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 we're studying both. And The admin said, Well, the parents think that they need to be teaching it. And I said, No, 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 no. They can teach it through their children. Once their children have the ideas that they're supposed to come in with, then that's great because now they have communication with the parents. The idea is for people to explore and to open their minds to new ideas. Whether or not they adhere to those new ideas is entirely up to them. We have freedom of thought, we have freedom of expression, we have freedom of speech, correct? So, Our job as teachers is to help work with that so that people can do it more effectively. And we respect those ideas because we too, if we are not learning, what's the point of being a teacher? Correct? We should always be open to new ideas and to learning and to considering other people's points of view. If we cannot do that, why are we teaching? And I'm talking about English teachers, math teachers, social studies teachers, art teachers. All teachers. We need to be open. We need to listen. We're still not going to be able to make all the parents happy, though. Believe me. So just make sure that you stand by your guns. Excuse the expression. You stand by your posted fence or whatever, your fortress, you hold up your fortress and you stand strong while they heave cannonballs at you. Just allow that to happen. That's the most effective way of doing it. Now, let's take a look and see what the uh, ACLU has to say. And this is the ACLU in Washington State who published this. It's in the show notes. And they say, starts out with, do I have free speech rights as a public school teacher? The response is yes, but there are many limitations, especially for a through K-12 teacher. Generally, the First Amendment protects your speech if you are speaking as a private citizen on a matter of public concern. However, if you are speaking as part of the duties of your job, your speech will not necessarily have the same protection. What you say or communicate inside the classroom is considered speech on behalf of the school district and therefore is not entitled to First Amendment protection. What you say or communicate inside the classroom is considered speech on behalf of the school district and therefore is not entitled to First Amendment protection. And then there are certain types of speech outside the school that may also not be protected if the school can show that your speech created a substantial adverse impact on school functioning or that your speech was made in accordance with your job duties. And examples follow. All right. One, you attend an anti-war rally on the weekend. You cannot be disciplined for exercising your First Amendment right to free speech. Two, you post on your Facebook wall a local newspaper article favorable to a political candidate. The First Amendment will protect you from discipline. Third, you write a letter to a publication that is critical of the school board for one of its actions or ideas. A court will likely consider that protected speech because you are expressing an opinion that is a matter of public concern, like every other private individual. Four, you are instructed not to discuss with students your personal opinion on political matters. In a classroom discussion on racial issues in America, you let your students know that you have recently participated in a Black Lives Matter demonstration. This speech may not be protected. Courts have found that teachers can be disciplined for departing from the curriculum adopted by the school district and inserting your personal experience as a protester could be considered such a departure. This is because school districts have the authority to control course content and teaching methods. It is not as clear whether the First Amendment would protect you if you had not been specifically instructed not to share your political beliefs. Some courts have ruled that schools may not discipline teachers for sharing certain controversial words or concepts in class that are relevant to the curriculum. That's one that begs clarity. Correct? Five. You post a joke on Facebook about your students being lazy. This type of speech is not protected, even though you are making it in your private capacity, not a part of your official duties. This speech might be considered as not addressing a matter of public concern, so the First Amendment may not protect you from being disciplined. So if you get on there and you talk about your hell-raising, idiotic, stupid, bigoted, whatever students you are not covered. Chances are they could come after you. Six, you publish an online book containing explicit sexual passages. Even though this is speech in your private capacity, in other words, not part of your official duties, and may even be on a matter of public concern. A court might not consider it to be protected speech. The court would balance the school's interest and your free speech rights. It could determine that the explicit sexual content would prevent you from being an effective teacher and would have substantial impact on school functioning. However, If you are facing discipline for expressing your views on non-school matters outside of school, there is a potential free speech problem, and you may want to let the ACLU know about it. I've also included in the show notes another article that is the Boston Lawyer blog, and pretty much it says nearly the same thing that we're hearing here. So, now, speech can also include classroom decorations, posters, or displays. Because they have the authority to control what happens in the classrooms, they've allowed school districts to require teachers to remove in-class banners and displays conveying a religious message. It's likely that the school could require you to remove political signs from the classroom as well. Despite your protestations, they are your employer. So... And there are other things about what you can wear. Uh, Free speech during breaks. So I would suggest that if you have questions that you read these articles. All right. Now, here's, this is for K through 12. This does not, this is, does not say anything about post-secondary. I remember... This is many years ago. Um, I'm going to say more than 30 years ago. I was in a course at the university and we were studying educational research. And while we were taking it, we had a professor who pontificated and talked politics for about 75% of the course. Then he would discuss what we were supposed to have studied and then told us to leave. And we did. And and then he was upset because people were showing up late because they didn't want to listen to his diatribes. And finally, somebody said, could we talk about the information that we're supposed to be covering for the majority of it rather than politics? That student was not seen in the class anymore. What happened? I have no idea. The people who sat around him who were nodding with him, their grades started going down. It was really interesting. There were complaints that were filed. um, And he actually got up and he talked about what idiots these people were who were complaining about him. That was protected for him. So why? I don't know. I'm not really sure. And it would seem more and more that universities, they seem to cater more to the students than they used to. So I would think that they might want to generate a little bit more uh, of an appearance of being nonpartisan. However, well, whatever. So, or even just leaning towards having the students feel safe in the classroom so that they understand what they're getting. But I don't know everything that happened with that. And I don't know what's going on the university campuses anymore. I do have friends who work there and they tell me stories, but I'm not going to uh, come out and say what they tell me because they were even shocked when they found out. And, my students, my, my friends tend to be fairly progressive. So what I would say is we need to be careful in the classroom that we are keeping it safe, that we value all students, and that we teach respect. Just because we have a stage And we feel as though they are our audience. They are not an audience. They are there to learn. They are there to have you deliver the information to them. And that's what they need. This is what it all boils down to from everything that I'm reading. And this is what I believe. Now, have I gone out of my way and had political discussions in my classroom? You betcha. You betcha. Because I wanted to know what was going on with the other side. And so I would throw something out into the air and we would have a lively discussion in the class and I would ask a lot of questions. And I would try to be nonpartisan because I would throw questions out that I'd heard from both sides. So, do we have free speech in the classroom? Yes and no. We do live in a fishbowl even more so now because of uh, the internet, because of social media. There is so much happening, and we have even greater responsibilities now. So we need to look at the materials that we are giving to the students and working with them. Do we have options for students that might have an issue with some of the materials that we have? Despite the fact that we believe that they need to be studying these, do we have options for them? Parents are becoming more involved. Parents are trying to pull their weight a lot more. We have administrators who are trying to pull their weight even more. We have districts that are dictating more and more. So think to yourself and take a very deep breath. How am I keeping my room safe? How am I keeping my students safe? And what am I saying in my classroom? You can model your behavior. Anyway, it's a huge topic. And I know that people really want to get on board and think about this much, much more. And maybe even have some better discussions. But hopefully the materials I put in the show notes can guide you and lead you to a better resolve. And with that, I'm going to say, have a great week. We hope to see you again next week. And in the meantime, please click on the subscribe button and please leave your comments, we appreciate you. Thank you so much, bye bye.